Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Hi, it's Ken Danico, and you're mi- listening to Missing Curfew. Welcome back to a fresh episode of Missing Curfew Monday edition. Up dog, fella. How are we? I like that nice little sweater. You yeah, got a little holiday tarp. That's nice. Yeah, festive. Huh? Are you growing the mustache too? Or what are you I, this is the first time I've ever had a mustache. <laughs> In honor, of maybe our guest today. I'm sure he had a nice stash at some point. Yeah, this guy is a legend. Three Stanley Cups. This is what I like here. Twenty five hundred penalty minutes. Good Northern Alberta boy. Northern minutes. Alberta boy, right here. Ken Danico, Dano, thank you for joining, buddy. You're a legend. I looked up to you when you played the game, and uh, you're doing great stuff now with NHL and the Jersey Devils. Well, well, Scotty Gomez told me I was more of a legend off the ice. Really, my <laughs> <day>. but, <laughs> all kidding aside, great being with you guys. I love your Jimmy Hayes. Uh, God rest his soul in the background. Got to spend time with him for a year here, and what a wonderful guy, and uh, just a tragedy. But anyway, I, I love that. I love seeing Jimmy there. <laughs> yeah, well said. We miss him every day. Um, so, Daniel, first of all, our girl Jackie Redmond, uh, you do great work with the NHL Network. She asked us earlier on, is Jack Hughes the biggest star in the New York metropolitan area? And we both love Jack Hughes. And I said, Jackie, no way. You got to play for the blue shirts and Broadway. And EJ said, Daniel's going to kill you. I said, I love Daniel, but Daniel, can you be the biggest star Playing for the New Jersey Devils, I know you're a Devils legend. Or do you do you think the the, the mystique or whatever is you got to be a Ranger? Well, well, first off, OB, you're never going to get me to say you got to be a Ranger. I mean, come on. <laughs> but uh, and like I said, uh, maybe off here, just fill the damn net and create offense. He, he's a special player. He's a lot of fun. I get your point. I hear you for certainly, but. Uh, you know what? I just want these guys to have some success. I was fortunate to to have some here. We put kind of put hockey uh, on the map in New Jersey way back with the great teams. I was fortunate to be part of, and and these guys are trying to build towards something. We got a great young core, but Jack Hughes is. He, I just love watching him play. He, he's fun, and certainly a guy that uh, you know it started slow, and he was a baby when he came in the league, and. But you just could see his confidence. He he was like, hold on, fellas. I believe in myself. It will click here. And I was uncertain how good he could be. And at 21 years old, you're starting to see uh, the skill and the vision and the hockey IQ, all those things we say. But, no, he could be a star here in New Jersey in the metropolitan area. You know, I'm sure he'll go out to dinner in New York. And when he becomes the, the next level, I still say star. I don't put superstar Lightly on a player, he's evolving toward that. Let's hope he gets there. He's a star right now. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of great stories coming out of New Jersey this year, and I think the surprising starts. One of them, um, the way the coaching, you know, the way the coaching saga has gone, um, has really <laughs> uplifted. The, do you see this team being uh, a team that can carry this on through 82 games? You said you mentioned earlier there's a little hiccup right now, but do you see this team having the leadership? And the qualities of a of a championship team that can get to the next level. Do you see that with this group? Well, first off, guys, I mean, we could never have expected this start. I, I thought they'd be better. I preached to everybody in the offseason. They're getting they're getting there. If they get any kind of goaltending, they're going to be okay. They had a pretty steady defenseman. Certainly, he's played well in John Marino. Siegenthaler taking another step, but. Uh, yes, it's not going to be perfect. And it was almost perfect up to this last 0-2-1 in their last three games. And they were close games. And they happened to lose. 
It's going to happen in a year. Do I think they're more well-equipped to get through it and be a good, solid team? I, Scotty, I, I can't say they're a championship team yet. We just want to see them be a playoff team and worry about that when they get there. Now, let's not forget, for me, which is important, and I hope he comes back and is healthy, Andre Palat's going to be like a trade line addition when he comes back. And we brought him in for that leadership and in for to teach these young guys what it takes in big moments and clutch situations. Has there been anybody more clutch than Palat the last handful of years with the Tampa Bay Lightning? So I think Fitzy, Tom Fitzgerald, general manager, has done a great job of adding pieces. Unfortunately, he was playing through an injury, and they said, let's get you fixed right now so when it matters, um, you know, you can come back here and really lead the way. And I think that's going to be an important piece. But they've added some key guys. I mean, Brendan Smith, I know they're role players. Um, Eric Holland, these guys – have been in the league a while. They played in the playoffs. They played in meaningful games. And I, I think they really have along the way helped these guys. And certainly our goaltending last year was a disaster. So I think we would have had 20, 25 more points if we had any kind of goaltending and that lot because of injuries, but we used seven guys. This year they've been solid. They've done what they've had to do. And Akira Schmidt, it's a short body of work, man, but the big fellow looks pretty good, only 22 years old in that so far as well, along with Vanacek. Yeah, Daniel, I, I, at the start of the year, you know, they, they lost three straight, and then you came on Cooley's show, and, and they got it rolling right after that. But I talked to you about their lack of size up front, and you said, oh, listen, they got speed and skill, which they've proven that. And then you said, I said, they're undersized, Daniel. You said, not on the back end, they're not. And you were right. I mean, their back end, starting with Dougie Hamilton, size, Marino, length. Like, is that maybe the blueprint moving forward, Daniel, is we can get our speed up front. But let's still get some big boys with some length that can move on the back end. Because when I watch Jersey, that decor is solid and big. No, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely right, OB. And I think that's what Fitzgerald was, was trying to get uh, on the back end. Consistent. Look, they're not big bruisers, per se. Yeah. Smith adds that little sandpaper that you need when he's in there. And Kevin Ball, let's not forget, who played last game and played very well, is going to get games. He's 6'6 and mobile. Another guy. He's hard to get around. He takes up space. Graves, you mentioned. Stegenthal, a real good defensive guy. Dougie Hamilton has played a good two-way game. Yes, he's by far our best offensive player, and you have to have that flair from the back end, uh, certainly. But I agree. I think that's the way to go in today's game. In a perfect world, did we love our time and our game? Of course I did. That was a whole different era. I've gone with times. You've got to be mobile. You've got to be able to take up space. But that long reach means something. Small defenseman, unless you're dynamic, maybe like a Quinn Hughes or a player like that. If, you, if you're not a dynamic skater as a guy that's 5'10 or under, it's going to be tough to play in this league. They call everything. You cannot defend. I don't envy these guys. But if you're big, tall, long, take up space, I think you have a better chance. And we have big guys that are mobile, and they've played extremely well for the most part. Daniel, I want to ask you about, and everything you just said is bang on, and, and nobody played the game harder than you, fella. And, and in front of that blue paint, Daniel, we have these goaltender interference every fucking night, right? I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't know, but I'm watching the defenseman stand beside him, and I'm like, well, if that guy boxed him out and allowed him to get position and maybe give him a little push, I guess my question is, can we get some more battles in front of the blue paint? Not back to when you played or when I played in prongs with the 20 cross decks, but there's yeah. got to be a happy medium, Dano, where I can do my job and we don't have to worry about these goaltender interference every night. Oh, B. I know it's a tough question, but I just, <laughs> I watch it, Dano. Did you see the, the Kulikov one? Uh, Taveras on Kulikov last, two nights ago. It was, he just stood right in front. Yeah, like, like, how do you not even take his stick? That's what I mean. Like, I think these Get guys. Get your ass out there. I think these D's are so afraid of getting the cross-checking penalty or whatever. Right. Front, like. I, I think you, it's an art now. I mean, these guys have to get, you know, toe the line with. A little shove, throw them off balance when that shot's coming. These guys are so good at tipping, and it's tough to defend now. No yeah. question for defensemen, and it is about skating and positioning. And I think defensemen need to, the second that shot's coming around, that need to box out lift sticks. I, I, I get frustrated, too. Don't get me wrong, guys. Yeah. When you see a little shove, the guy goes down, the arm goes up. I'm like, they've got to have better judgment when it's not a – cross-check, or I know they're trying to protect players at all costs, and if it's not the full cross-check and it's a little shove, well, maybe they can have a little leniency, but but you got to adapt and adjust. That's just the way it is, it seems. Does it frustrate us at times? For sure. It's not not easy. Can you imagine like guys like Marilyn Mew and 
and even Gretz playing nowadays. I mean, everybody talks about the skill sets on the bottom six for me and the forward lines is so much higher, so much better because it was a different game. It was more intimidating in our day and you had different role players. And I, I miss those guys. Those were character guys, but I've gone with the times where uh, these kids are so gifted, but the Lemuse Gretzky's today, Sackett, you name it. Yeah. Bossies, the late, great Mike Bossy, who took punishment night in, night out. I mean, what they were able to accomplish, they wouldn't have to get touched. Mary Lemieux may have 200 goals in today's <laughs> game, right? And God bless him. So I, I throw that out from the standpoint. I love the high-end skill and the McDavid's and dry saddles. And you can go on down the list of, of how great these players are. Let's not forget some of the greats of our day, man. Those guys would be tearing it up right now because there's they're as good as anybody. Uh, but Ovechkin, he could play in any era. Yeah. Yeah. 235 pounds, 800 goals. He may have a thousand by now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I give him credit because he's a ball. He's a beast like the old days, right? Hey, how, how about Mess back in the day? If Mess could go to the front of that right now, Mess would uh, Mess would just go there oh, every night and just stand there and tip box, right? Like, he'd have to, he'd the have to be, and Mess, Mess is my buddy, and I grew up with him. He was a big mentor of mine since 12 years old. Didn't the buddy and friendship kind of was thrown out the window when he came to New York because man, <laughs> it was such an intense rivalry. Um, and you know, he liked to chuck the odd elbow every once in a while, but to him and I had some beefs in front and here's a guy I've known since 12 years old. I'm going, this is the guy I looked up to. I respected, but no friends out there. As they say, when we had some epic playoff battles along the way, when he was with the Oilers guys, he would send me notes, him and Kevin Lowe, to the dressing room through the stick boy, uh, something real funny, like this big jack body and like, <laughs> in space, uh, like a stick man or whatever and make me laugh, you know what I mean? And yeah. smile and warm up. Because, you know, we were a bad team in the early 80s and they were the Edmonton Oilers, the dynasty. So he was wishing me the best, but those smiles were, were all, all gone when he got traded in the New York Rangers. But I'm grateful to him because he really taught me what it what it took to be a pro and a professional in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it's not. It's nice having Mess back in the game too, right? It's nice having him on on TV, getting his. Because if you leave the game for a while, you, a lot of these kids like kind of forget how you know the personality is. And Messier carries that persona with him, Dano. Was it? Was I, I'm shocked, shocked that Mark Messier. You never know what, why, or what is not an executive or a head coach behind the bench. I don't care about experience. Yeah. There's no better leader. He's got 50 years of, of experience. I mean, I heard stories, man, and I saw it. I traveled to Greece with him, partying in the 80s. Nobody <laughs> knew hockey. He'd walk in the bar, and it parted like the Red Sea. Like, he, he just had that aura, that 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 it factor, right? As has got people, this guy's somebody. You got to listen to him. And, it just shocks me. I, I mean, I would have thought he would have been as good as it gets in that category, but we're seeing him on TV. Yeah, anyway. I, I think that goes back to Obi's point earlier, right? Like he was captain, uh, captain of the Rangers. You know, bringing that the old cup China down Club, Broadway. the old China Club back in the day, Dan O. Eh? Oh, well, oh man, <laughs> Obi, that was my joint baby every Monday night. <laughs> I had. Did you guys? Oh, I, I got to tell the story really quick. Yeah, Steve, take you your time. Steve. Speaking of the Rangers, um, so, and he put it in his book, and I'm sure you might have heard it. We've said it a lot, but Ty Domi, you know, tough as it gets, leads the most majors all time in the National Hockey League uh, ever and did it for a long time. So he'd always come after me at the Garden a couple of times, and I'd already been 10, 11 years in the league. I was trying to leave it up to some younger, bigger guys and only do it a handful of times because I did it a lot my first five years as far as the fisticuffs. Yeah. And he always challenged me, and I'd accept it. And I go, oh, Ty, not again, man. I don't want to hit that head. I mean, it is hard as rock. <laughs> not to mention he's like a pit bull. He's strong as strong as heck. And I went him a couple times, had some pretty good bouts. And then, uh, God, it had to be a month after one of them, I'm going to the China Club. And sure enough, handful of the Rangers walk in and it's Domi and it's messy and it's a young Domi, 22 years old. And so Mark stirs the pot. He, he does shake my hand because he's away from the game and we say hello. I'm a little skeptical to go near any of his teammates because just the that was just the way it was back then. He goes, listen, I, I know you scrapped high a few times here. He says, you know, all kidding, you know, let's have some fun. He's a real good arm wrestler. You're the strongest guy I've seen as a 
when when you were young together in Edmonton says I wanted you two to have an arm wrestle see who see who wins I'm very curious you know what I mean and, you know we've had a few I certainly have I learned Ty didn't after that and that's the end of the stories <laughs> but anyway so we we set up a table have an arm wrestle it's and Ty and me put a hundred bucks on it so just to make it interesting he beats me with the right and I'm a lefty and he it was went forever he beats me with the left and I, I I'm angry man I'm fired up I end up headbutting Ty Domi in the China Club. It gets serious now. Mark starts almost go to come to blows at the China Club. The bouncers jump in. Mark says, you two idiots. This was all fun and games. And it was just so intense. Ty put it in his book. We still laugh about it. He keeps reminding me that he beat me and uh, on both arms. And yeah, he was strong and had those short arms. But uh, so I sent the... Ten days later, we played him in the Meadowlands. I sent the hundred dollars in a. I did that. I stormed out of the place. I was pissed, man. So pissed, being the competitor I am. And I sent the hundred dollars in a in an envelope uh, with a stick boy down to the Rangers room, and he put that in there too. I think his book said he, he honored his bet. But uh, uh, just those funny stories we had at the time. And Mark thought we were crazy. He's going, Kenny, you're not. What are you doing? This kid's, you know, ties tie. He's Tough as nails, big. You lost. I just was pissed, man. I, I couldn't accept it. Yeah, well, that's that's why you're sitting there with three cups because you're competitive. When you when you talk about fighting, Daniel, like I, you know, same with me, man. When I came in the league, I'm like, all right, I'll chuck him here for my first two or three years. I'm like, bring it on, let's chuck him. And then as I went on, I'm like, fuck, I would rather someone else do this. So. I guess that's what you want to do as a defense, right? You prove you can do it. And now I'm like, all right, I, you know, you get better as a player for you. You win championships. It's like somebody else get in there and fucking fight tie tonight. I, I'm in my, tenth, <laughs> I'm in my 10th year here. Right. Like, yeah. Well, when only came and Jimmy oh, Mack and all those, you know, total beast, Jimmy Mack and Luso, whoever it was, I'm like, all right, now at least I get to stop fight. Maybe the third or fourth toughest guy yeah. <laughs> yeah. comes down to brass taxes. Um, Jimmy Mack, I love. He was an animal, but uh, and the nicest guy in the world. So, yeah, that's what I thought early on. Ob, truthfully, and it was our era. Like I said, I don't even compare. Our era was our era. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Uh, yeah, we're nervous before games. We look at the lineup. We got a strap and whatever may whatever it may be. And I know the old old time hockey fans enjoyed it at times too. I understand why they've transitioned and why the games evolved. You got to protect players. I get it. But I remember early on, uh, you, you know, that I was going to get in the league that way. Even though I went in the first round and I had some skill and I had some points in junior, you got to find a role. And I'm not Scott Niedemeyer and I couldn't skate like him. So I couldn't transition my junior offense and kind of, I guess, two-way game to the National Hockey League. But I knew I was half tough and that I, yeah, I'm going to have to get at it to try to open their eyes, especially the first three, four years. Now to stay around and be part of it, I had to hone my skills and learn along the way and be a good, solid stay-at-home defenseman uh, to help the team win. And it worked out okay. I, I ended up playing a long time in the league, but I knew that's how I was getting into. I mean, I'd go into Philadelphia and I, we'd drive the bus down to Philadelphia in the mid-80s. You could hear a pin drop down the turnpike. A pin drop. is the Broad Street Boys, and there was Dave Brown and still Glenn Cochran and Daryl Stanley, and Baruby was coming up and talking. And I'd go to Joe Sorrell. I'd sit next to him because he didn't follow anything. I was a student of the scrapping and all that. And these guys, i go, Joe. And you could, our guys were horrified. We're, we're going down to Philly. Let's just get out of this game alive. Never, if we win, we win. That's, that's a bonus. But so because they were just much more further as far as the team and better team and i go to joe sorella who was the, another guy that was a gamer and i go joe i said let's get it over with early i'd show him a list i'd show him about eight guys i said pick your poison because eight they're guys. All <laughs> <laughs> eight I said, guys. yeah I, I said i know brown early on's coming after me and sure enough he did and i end up going dave brown a few times i'm alive to talk about it and, and Joey C, he had no clue. Like, he was oblivious. I'm going, Joey, yeah, we're going to have to do it. And we might as well get it out of the way early. But uh, we survived. And another story with Joe was Probert and Kosher, Detroit Red Wings, Brad Park coaching. We're beating them 7-2. And one of our rare games, we're leading by a lot. 
They put Probert and Kosher with about six minutes to go on the same line. They weren't playing together at the time. And I go, Joe, they're coming at us. It's me and Sorella <laughs> on the point. I said, I'm Gary. He goes, what, what are you talking about? I go, those two guys that just came out are coming right for us. because We had no cords. <laughs> they're all small work fighters. I said, Gary, sure enough. I said, if you get Kosher, he's got a bomb. Duck. Okay. <laughs> Joey Sorella said I saved his life because <laughs> he got Kosher. Probert came to me. Both end up going, and Joey Sorrell was actually had the reach. He actually landed a few, and he said, and then we saw Kosher kind of skim the top of his helmet. <laughs> he would be still out cold. He would have been out till next week, and Joey just ducked in time. I think he chipped his helmet with the punch or whatever it was. So just great, hilarious stories. And Joey, after the game, was Kenny, thank you. Thank you. I said, maybe you should study a little more of this yeah. once in a while because I knew exactly what and who and where. <laughs> but it's funny you say that. And Daniel, you talk about having to find your, your your how to stick around. Like for me, I was an eighth rounder, right? So when I went to the American League, I was like, fuck, I got a chance here. If I stay with these players and continue to practice with these guys, I'm going to get better. So I knew I had to fight. So I just fought. But I studied the film, especially the, the lockout year where the big boys were in. I was every night at home watching it on hockey fights or whatever. Yeah. I, I knew me and Sheldon Brooks. Or VHS. Or VHS. Yeah, well, they didn't have YouTube. No, but we, we had, we had yeah. ways to see the fights. Yeah. We had ways to see the fights. Or Yeah. Yeah, there was ways to see him. Like, so me and Sheldon Brookbank, former devil, me and Billy Brookbank at yeah. night. I'd be like, Billy, you fight this guy last year? He's like, Yeah, I fought him. He throws lefts, heads up this. You know, he throws both. Like, <laughs> so you you know, like, you got to do the studying, Daniel. It seems so far removed from that. Like, it seems a whole other lifetime yeah. of the craziness that went on. And we loved it, right? At the time, we yeah, are scared sometimes, nervous sometimes. But I have respect for every player that's even played. A handful of games in national hockey. You guys had great careers. And, you know, I, I never take that for granted. You know, I was able to play a long time and all because Lou Amarello sat me down. I'd already played five, six years. And, you know, I've told this one too, but it's a good one. And you guys, I've told it before many times, but he sat me down after I wanted to be a little bit of everything and bring a little offense. And, and, and he, I was on the second power play because Bruce Driver was, out of the lineup for four games. And Bruce was a power play guy. I'm really good at it. I picked up four assists, four points in four games. I'm all excited. I'm, I'm getting involved. This is like 88. <laughs> so I can do a little bit more. And Lou takes me. And then Bruce comes back. I'm off the power play. And I'm frustrated. I wore my emotion on my sleeve. And and uh, Lou, man, he, he, you know, didn't mince words or pull punches. He says, Kenny, something's bothering me. Come up to my office. He knew exactly who was bothering me. I sits me down. He says, Kenny, he says, what's bothering you? I go, well, Lou, I had some success in the second power play unit. Now I'm getting no power play time. And, you know, like four points in four games, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, yeah, button him. And he goes, Kenny, I liken my team to an orchestra. Sit down. I liken my team to an orchestra. There's violinists. There's pianists. There's drummers. In order to make beautiful music, everybody has to play their role in order for us to be part of this. What category do you think you fall in there? True story. He still tells the stories to this day, he tells me, because he loves it too, and we chuckle about it. I'm not the brightest bulb in the tree. I get up, throw the chair, but I knew what he meant. I go, yeah, I'm a freaking drummer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm, yeah, button. I'm going, but. I just had four points, you know. And he, he's, I'm getting up. And he liked when you challenge him a little, but I was not, not many guys did. He was an intimidating man, believe me. And I got up and, through his chair, actually, the chair I was sitting across from his desk. And he calmly folds his arms and goes, if you want to be a violinist, I will call 15 teams and see if they need a violinist. Said, but by the way, if you master that drum, you're going to play 15 years in this league. And, you know, that meant penalty kill him and protect teammates and then block yeah. shots, whatever it took. And I'm ready to sweat. And then I walk out, kind of slam the door. And I thought about it, man. It was the best advice I had because if I was going to be jack of all trades, master of none, I would have played <laughs> that five years and I would have had two more years and been out of it. And people say, well, why? Aren't points important? Sure they are. But, but then it takes away because if I'm trying to do too much and I'm not skilled enough, it takes away from what I'm doing well and that's defensively and killing penalties. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's still a good lesson for young kids that you still can find a niche, a role for you. And I listened to him. I said, he doesn't care if I ever get a point. That's a bonus. I've got a role to do a part in this team to help them win along the way. Best advice I got. And thank God he said that because then I just moved the puck up twice. I didn't try to beat a man or try to do more. 
which maybe a lot of times would turn into a disaster because I'd hang on too long. Yeah. I went through that same kind of thing, Dan. I, I got traded from Tampa to Vancouver. And in Tampa, I was playing 20 minutes a night. I was second unit power play. And I thought points, points, points. I wish I would have <laughs> had someone like Lou pull me aside in Vancouver because it took me my whole first year in Vancouver till playoffs to realize, like, it doesn't matter if I get any fucking points here. Like, my job is to play hard, you know, be good defensively. Like, and I mm -hmm. wasted my first year in Van and got Navy's doghouse and did some stuff that I was worried about ice time and points. And I wish mm -hmm. I would have had someone like Lou that said, hey, fuckhead. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you get any points. Like, just keep the puck out of the net and play hard. Like, so I know it's, exactly what I'm Isn't that unbelievable how sometimes guys didn't get that advice? You just yeah. had to figure it out on your own. And that, that was invaluable for me because you're right. We all want more and frustrated how many minutes we're playing. And am I picking up some points? So I haven't had a point in 10 games. Well, that wasn't my role. That wasn't your role at the time. And yeah, when we did it, it was fun and players celebrated because they got excited when you chipped in with a goal because you just don't do it that often. But yeah, he, he got right to the point and, and God, without it, I, you know, I really believe my career wouldn't have been as long. Now I, I won't forget Larry Robinson came 10 years into my career and I learned more about defense in the first week than I did my first 10 years. And he told me, Kenny, I love your intensity and love you going out of your way to hit guys once in a while. But, dial it back baby yeah positioning you're ex expending way too much energy and, and he taught me how to use my stick well we talk about stick today in the game so often larry was teaching me that he was way ahead of his time of pointing the stick and where to be and subtle movements i'm going wow he made the game easy for me and another reason i was able to play a little longer for sure yeah that. 20 years with one team kenny that's pretty pretty damn good <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I can't believe that it's yeah. still surreal. Time flies means I'm just getting old. I feel lucky. I feel grateful, man, guys, that it, I got to play on one team. A lot better players were traded along the way and they gave me my opportunity. I didn't want to play anywhere else. I told everybody when we were brutal in our early years, winning 17 games a year, <laughs> I was that type of kid. I told everybody we're going to become something someday. Yeah. And I hope I'm still part of it when we, we finally can, um, take the next step and, and possibly win a Stanley cup, which was what it was all about. I, I would ask, um, you guys had some great young players too there. Um, all you guys talk about Lou the same way, right? Like he was open <laughs> with you. He told you like go Godfather. I call him. Gomer, for example, and Marty Broder, or the, you know, in St. Louis, they were, they were always like, you know, Lou was great for us. He was just, he, he told it how it is. We knew our roles. Um, was there, like, was there a method to his madness there? Or did you guys all just kind of feel like you grew up together and now you have the right group of guys to take this to the next level and just compete, right coaching staff, right group of guys? Because uh, three cups in a matter of, you know, not so many years is pretty... We went, pretty we went to the finals four times in eight, my last, my last eight years, Scotty. And yeah, it was a hell of a run because I realize now five, 10 years after your career and 20 years... You go, man, it's not even, it's not easy to make the playoffs, let alone no go shit. four grueling rounds, but method to his madness. You know what? I didn't love all his rules like a lot of us did because <laughs> he was a disciplinarian. We certainly know that, but I absolutely method to his madness. You know, if things were going well and I came in not looking too good in the morning, well, he wouldn't bring me into his office. If it wasn't going well, you know, because he didn't want to ruffle feathers, he knew things. I mean, we'd stay at the hotel for home games. That was his tradition, meaning you sacrifice for two months. There's no going home. This is hockey, hockey, hockey. Some guys liked it, some didn't, but we all adjusted and said, absolutely, we got to sacrifice here. He wants us together. And we won a few playoff rounds. They need to have a stand at the hotel, and guys would be sneaking out because we did have a curfew even if we didn't play the next night. And he goes, after my career was, you don't think I knew you guys were sneaking out, you idiot. Like, of course, there was 10 loser. I knew you were, but I didn't, you know, cause a rocket. So yeah. he, there was a method to his madness. You guys were going good. You were a team. You were together. We had a few nights off. I I, I knew what was going on. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, Dan, on my first year, and it, it tees me up to my question about the old barn, is, is John Tortorella did that in Tampa. When we played the Devils in the first round, he said, boys at home, you're staying in the hotel. So maybe you got that from, uh, from Lou. But <laughs> my first playoff experience, Daniel, and I remember those pictures behind you. I remember those teams you played on and how hard you guys played and fucking Marty and Scott, yourself, Norm, Niedemeyer. I walk into the Prudential Center for my first playoff game with the white flags. And I was a little bit like, holy shit, here I am. This is game on. Like, talk about that old building and just 
it had that fucking character in it. It, it, it did, and it was big. I mean, and when we were winning, obviously the place was filled, and they were loud. And we had a we we had a you know any team like the Tampa Bay Lightning going back to back and and three Stanley Cups consecutive, and I thought that we had a swagger. All good teams have it. I mean, we just, we felt you got to win games you don't deserve to win too, and we knew how to play. And with that leadership of Stevens and Niedermeyer and Randy McKay's, who was so instrumental. And, and then later on, a combination of that youth and exuberance and skill of a Scotty Gomez and a Patrick Elias. I can go on down the list. Yeah, and we had a great goaltender. That made it a lot easier when we did make <laughs> mistakes. But we could win games at 65% of ourselves, like win a 2-1 game, a 3-2 game, because we, we understood we didn't have the legs that night. You're not going to have your legs that night. It's learning. I still say today's game, too. Teams got to realize when it's not your night, you still can find a way to win. Totally. But you got to be more positionally sound, structured, whatever it may be. And that's tough to get through to your players at times. But we had an aura, a swagger that we knew we had, you know, we had the other, we were in the other team's mind right out of the gate, right from the start of every class. It didn't mean that we always wanted to materialize the way we wanted, but we had that little edge because we had raised the bar. That's where we were at. Was an organization a lot because of Lou and the players he brought in. He knew how to bring in to make everybody important, bring in role guys. And yeah, then when he we got Scott Stevens, and then when we drafted Niedermeyer, those were kind of the missing pieces. And then Broder came in, and you know I was lucky to play with those Hall of Fame players. And and then with young Gomer coming in, I loved it because now he <laughs> took the pressure off of me because Lou was. He was loose whipping <laughs> yeah. boy instead of me now. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he would speak highly of you. So Gomer, my my first year in St. Louis, um, Gomer was with us for most of the year, and he'd be on the back of the bus or the plane, uh, his glass of vino. You know, he'd have bring two bottles himself. <laughs> he'd be drinking it himself. He'd and he'd be writing in his journal. Right, he journaled a ton the last few years of his career, and he's like, one day I'm unleashing all these stories. I'm going to take everyone down that I know, and I, and I'm thinking, <laughs> fuck, he's got to have a few I didn't in there. Know he's that smart, Scotty. He, he's yeah. got to have a few in there of me, and I'm sure of you. Is there is there any times back you're thinking, you know, this young Scotty Gomez, he's got a little Kenny Danico in him or whatever? Is there, <laughs> did you show him the ropes when he was a young when he was a young man? He, all I can say, Scotty, I wish I had a little Scotty Gomez in me because. I would have been a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I know. Totally. He could carry the puck yeah. up better. Gomer could carry the puck yeah. up better than anybody when he threw the neutral zone. I'm like, that was NHL. But but I did. You know, I don't, you know, kid side, no question. As soon as he came in, I mean, he was gregarious. He was fun. He, you know, he knew when it was time to have fun and time to get serious. And so when he came in, uh, yeah, I kind of took him under my wing or maybe he took me under his. He kept me young for sure. But I just loved his personality. and. And, you know, I, I'm sure he told you the story, Scotty, when I, I, I was in early on in his career, he was 19 years old and I, I was 35, I think, and I'm in the shower and I'm groaning, <laughs> I'm grunting and it's, uh, it's late. Everybody's gone. And, uh, I, you know, I was just a nut and, and, and he, he didn't want to come in the shower. He's looking around. He, he came in since everything all okay, came, Mr. Danico. He might have told me, like he thought I was, there was something going on and I come out towel around me and I'm flexing and I go, no way a 35 year old should look this good. Gomer. And he goes, Phew. He, he didn't know if he was doing something wrong. And from there on in, he, we laughed our heads off and, and became, uh, became tight buddies and still to this day. <laughs> but I scared him a little bit because he didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> Are you okay, Mr. Danico? <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was having a, uh, convulsion or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, D- hey, Dano. Speaking about being jacked. Back in the day, I played with Sean Stefanski, whose sister married Corey Stillman, and him and Scott Stevens lived on the same cottage. So one summer, I was in junior, and this doesn't surprise you. I wasn't a fitness freak, right? So still, he's like, <laughs> still, he's like, hey, uh, come work out. Scott Stevens is coming across to work out today. So he comes across in his boat, in his boat, no shirt on, and just walks in the gym and is like, "Morning, guys." And Dano, this fucking workout, I was like. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm like, I got a lot of work to do if I'm going to be in the NHL. So I guess just his work ethic, we all know about his open ice hits, but just maybe touch on his day-to-day. Like, he was a beast, right? Uh, he was, and, and believe it or not, I mean, a lot of that was natural, too. He's still Jack. We're the same age, went the same draft. And, you know, he's as ferocious as he was on the ice and a great leader. Um, 
he was quiet, reserved, and almost an introvert off the ice. He is to this day. He's, he's a family man and he's a hunter and that's his passion and that's his release. But he's a guy that, yeah, he, you know, as far as work ethic and practice and he wasn't like, a, I wouldn't say a gym, gym rat because he was so natural, but just he never put a bad thing in his body. He was a health nut. He, he was a guy that just took, he was a serious man. And that's a big reason why he was a great leader. I mean, I've never seen a stronger guy. I mean, I know um, after his career, 10 years after, I obviously know a lot of people in Jersey and he was doing some work at his home there. He's got a big property where he can hunt deer on his property in the suburbs of Jersey. And I had some construction guys I knew. I knew the people doing the work on it. And they came up to me one day about a month after and they said, this guy, is he human? I go, we're doing work at Scott Stevens' house. And I go, what? What are you talking about? He goes, because we had these pallets that four of us couldn't move, and they had bands around them. And Scotty came out of the house and kind of grabbed one on one hand, one on the other. Everybody knows him. He's got absolute meat grinders for hands. And he grabbed both of them and moved them where the guys needed the pallets to be moved or these bricks or whatever wrapped around in a rope, they were like dumbfounded. They were, the jaws dropped. These four guys couldn't move it. And he kind of just took both of them and moved it. And he was like 50 years old. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's a mountain of a man. He was a great player and a great leader. And uh, we were fortunate to get him. How, how about that deal, right? Guys, I mean, Brendan Shanahan goes to St. Louis. It was, I don't know how it transpired. Lou asked, us, they offered us something else, Lou, because it was a, uh, uh, circumventing of the contract, you know, he signed something that he wasn't supposed to do back then. So we asked for Scotty. Scotty didn't want to leave St. Louis. We ended up getting him an arbitration. How about that deal? Shanahan, 600 goals, Hall of Famer, great player, and we get Scott Stevens. So it kind of worked out, I think, all around. But we don't win probably a cup if we don't get Scott Stevens. Is there one of the cups that stands out? To you more than the other for like maybe Good the question. way it the, the way it uh unfolded or the challenge that was there, or maybe the doubts that you had that you kind of were like, fuck, you know, this is gonna be this is too hard. <laughs> or, or just maybe the celebration after and one's just like, you know, this was just to top it off. Get asked this a lot, and, and it's a great question. Yeah, a question. Like I said, I'm grateful to not only win one, but be part of three Stanley Cup teams. And 95, obviously, we'd we didn't even have a great year. And it was the, the lockout year. So it was a shortened season. We kind of limped into the playoffs. But we just lost, remember, to the New York Rangers. And that year in 94, in a seven-game epic series, and double overtime, we we were going to win the Cup. No disrespect to Vancouver. We were going to win as well, we believe. And both of us and the Rangers won two in the season that year in the National Hockey League. They won the President's Trophy. We were second. So we were a great team. Next year, everybody kind of forgot about us in 95, Scotty. And we, we kind of had the same team. But we lived in, we were like a fifth seed or whatever, but we were waiting for the playoffs. Like we were that team that could turn the switch on. So we're thinking people are forgetting about us. We're going, we're the team that probably would have won the cup the year before. Same group. <laughs> and we couldn't wait to get going. And then we, we kind of steamrolled the, the first three rounds. I, for one series, I think we were down 2-0, then 1-4-0, and we never looked back. And then we had to meet the mighty Detroit Redwoods. And they were the dominant team and high-flying Great, the Eisenmans and Fedorovs and Paul Coffey was there. We can go on down, down the list. And I believe, you know, now with all, all the, the betting and everything, but we'd heard, and I didn't know much about it then, but we heard we were two and a half, three to one underdogs going into the series. So Jacques Lemaire, and that was another big reason we started to get better because we couldn't listen to Lemaire and Robinson. Who we listened to, they didn't have enough fingers and toes yeah. to put their Stanley Cup rings on. Yeah. So. Jacques Lemaire, two days before the series is opening, put both lineups down the board, and he compared certain players against certain guys, kind of comparable guys. And in his friend Jackson going, Deno, can you outplay that guy? Rich, can you outplay that guy? And then he'd go on down the list, and we were kind of shaking our heads. He just wanted to make sure we weren't believing the papers, you know. And we had a veteran-laden group and experienced and confident and we're all looking going, Jesus, we might be better than Detroit Red Wings, you know. <laughs> but Jacques, it was brilliant because he wanted to make sure that the papers were saying we had no shot. You know what I mean? So 
And at the end of the day, we didn't expect to sweep them. We ended up sweeping the Detroit Red Wings, but a lot because of shock. And he just wanted to see that we we were ready for this series. And our veterans were looking at each other going, yeah, we, we're a little deeper on the back end. We're better in goal. They might have a little more firepower up front, but we think we can shut that down. So we were very, very confident. And yes, what a party. And it was a <laughs> whirlwind. And it was crazy. And, I used to carry a silver garbage can over my head. You guys might have been road hockey when you were 10 years old, pretending it was the Stanley Cup. That was your secondary. First to make the National Hockey League, second to win a cup. So I didn't really absorb it as well. Scotty, it was, we had a great time. Don't get me wrong. It was a blast. And this was a character group, a fun group. We had some crazy guys. And we had a lot of fun <laughs> the, the couple of weeks after. The second cup, I always say, it meant as much because I really absorbed it, understood what it took as a team and the grind. And, and that was a, probably our best, deepest team. We were great in the regular season. We were probably predicted to win the cup and we did just that. And that's hard when you're kind of the team, you know, with the S Colorado and Dallas were there. We need to right there, but we were, we were an excellent team and we we're supposed to be one of those teams to buy for it. And we did it. And that team, I just understood what it took and the grind. And, and I really, just sat back and enjoyed it more. And then the third one, I, my role was diminishing. And I, it was my last year. And I hadn't played in the finals. I played every Devils playoff game. And the first 13 in 2003, I was 39 years old already. So I understood wow. I may be in and out. And sure enough, you know, it's still hard on you. You're a competitor. But I I'd ended up getting scratched a few playoff games. And then I played game seven six and seven against Ottawa. And by the way, they were the best team in national hockey. They're the President's Trophy winners. So on paper, they were better than us. We found a way. We beat them in seven. I play six and seven. I'm not going to play. And I find out I'm not starting game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. I was devastated because I'm going, how could I play six and seven against Ottawa? Now I'm not starting. And and they, you know, Trevor Dostey was in there who I became very close with. And now for me, it was just about winning. He was a great, gifted young player, but I would, of course, you're angry. And sure enough, I don't play for six games, and I thought I'd get in earlier. Me and Pat Burns, the late, great Pat Burns, didn't see eye to eye always. Every coach you're not going to love. But I was realistic where I was, so now I just wanted to be be that guy to be supportive. And I kept telling the young kids that were going in for me, going, if I'm walking around grumpy and pissed, it's not at you. Yeah. Get, get the damn job done. It's, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy with the decision because I, that, that's what makes me a competitor. That's make, what's made me who I am. But, but I, I'm going to, you guys do your thing, love you guys and be part of it. And that's, you know, I felt I, I had to do that. And that's kind of how I handle it. And then Pat, after game six, I'm going, I haven't played in two weeks. It's three, three. It's a Homer series. They won three. We won three in our building. Takes me aside. We land. It's only one day in between. I'm already expecting, I'm not playing. I was part of this. I just want to win for guys that never won the Stanley Cup. You know, they got to experience it. Takes me aside, takes me out of the hotel before the team dinner, and we're staying overnight at Lowe's Glen Point. And he goes, Kenny, you're in tomorrow night. I looked at him like, are you, are you freaking nuts? Now I think you're making the wrong decision, you knucklehead. Like, I really thought this isn't right now. Now you're stupid because yeah. – and I was like a little kid, like a rookie, going so excited. Go call my best friend, call my family. Go, you're not going to effing believe this to my buddy Charlie. And he goes, "You're in tomorrow night, aren't you?" I go, "How the hell would you know?" He goes, "I knew it. I felt it. You know, people around you know more than you." I felt it, and uh, I'm going, "Well, I certainly didn't think so, and I certainly think this is the wrong decision." Kenny played over 1,200 regular season games, 175 more in the playoffs. You'll be okay, and. I knew I, you know, I wanted to play my little role. I just didn't want to blow it for us. You know, I had to yeah. play in two weeks. Everything turned out. The fans went nuts. And, and you know, I had such a great rapport with the fans. And, and, and Pat Burns at the end of the game, we won 3 nothing. And, you know, I went into his office and said, Pat, we didn't always see eye to eye. I gave him a cigar because uh, <laughs> you know, he was a cigar guy. I was a cigar guy at the end. I go, you know what? I'm forever indebted to you. You know, I, I, I know you had tough decisions. And I was pissed. And we almost... Had an all-out brawl after the Boston in the Boston series when he was sitting me for my first game. We were both intense guys, and he was a tough bugger. And and I said, you know, he goes, Kenny. He says, I needed your that intangible in Game Seven. I knew you were coming back. And I go, well, thanks for telling me now. But yeah. he, says, he says the fans went nuts when they heard you weren't a healthy scratch. 
we wanted any little bit of emotion for that last game to help out. And I gave him a big hug. I said, thanks, Pat, because this is, I, I had tears in my eyes. I said, this is it. I'm retiring. Can't go out any better way. And uh, you just made it that much more special to go out uh, Stanley Cup champ hoisting the cup around Brendan Byrne Arena. Yeah, Daniel, that, that's legendary stuff. And, and I loved watching you play. And, and my first roommate, we'll end with this. We appreciate you taking the time. My first roommate was Ian Moran. And now I've got to know you. I was always like, Ken Danico would have been a good roommate. So, Daniel, <laughs> were you were you the guy? Drop the bags and go for a little happy hour. What was your trick on the road? Would you have a nap when you landed? Or, hey, boys, let's go. I got a little spot. We have a couple beers, dinner. Or how was the road for Ken Danico? Daniel? Oh, OB, and I, I'm sorry if I went on a little long. When no. I get these stories going, no. it brings back great memories. It was perfect. I love this because, are you kidding me, man? I had the whole season mapped out. <laughs> I had the whole season mapped out in the age. We're in Chicago. We got two nights off. We're going here. We're off to LA. We're going there. We're in St. I knew it. So I knew it. I would get jacked when I'd say, oh, we got a couple nights off. It's not a back-to-back. What a great city to party in. Um, so Bruce Driver was my roommate, and I'll leave it at this, early in my career. And obviously, early, early on, we, we were uh, – took um, commercial, then charters in the later 80s. But whether it was commercial or charter, I'd just be getting in maybe 6 a.m., bus was 6.20, hadn't <laughs> packed my bags, we're going home from a long road trip, you know, because we had a few nights off, so I went out and had myself a good time. And I'd run upstairs panicking. Bruce oh, would go, Dano, he's got a deep voice, monotone voice. He'd go, Dano, don't worry. Your bags are packed. They're already down below. I already did it. Like Bruce, oh. we were Oscar and Felix. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Bruce. Like he was the type of guy that made the bed in my room. We're still tight as can be today. And he's working with the devil still. But I love that Bruce would, anytime I was late, he had my back. He had things packed. He had everything I needed. Daniel, don't worry about that. You forgot that. I got it. I got it. So I'm forever indebted to Bruce Driver early in the early days because I would have been in a lot more trouble than I was. <laughs> Because I would have missed the bus, missed the flight. <laughs> hey, Dan, hey, Dan, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have packed your bag for you, but I would have missed the flight with you. I would have been like, Dan, we're both in one. <laughs> you know what? Troy Crowder. I forgot to bring about when Troy Crowder came in. I knew I was really down the pecking order because he was taking on everybody. He was the king for, the, for about a year in the National Hockey League. So I'm his roommate, and we're in Edmonton, Alberta. And he was the most laid-back guy for as tough as he was on the ice when he was mopping guys up. Rookie year in Edmonton. Our alarm goes off. It's soft music. We don't get it. John Cunniff's the coach. I wake up. The plane's already. I wake up 7.30, panicking. Bus left. Flight's at 8 o'clock. I go, Troy, oh, my God, we're, we missed the flight. We're screwed. He's relaxed and goes, don't worry, Dan. We'll get the next one. I'm like, here's this young kid. I'm in panic mode. Panic mode. Get up. We pack our bags. We rush to the airport. So happened my dad, uh, my late great dad, worked at the airport. Troy had no passport, no nothing, no ID. Whole different mentality back then. It was like 89. He was able to get Troy through. We, we, I, I had to use my credit card to pay for his flight. And, oh, my God. So, Crazy stories like that. Nothing better. I couldn't believe how calm this kid was. I was like losing my mind. Lou's going to kill us. And Connie, who was old school as it gets, said, we come back, practice next day. Connie goes, everybody thought they were going to read me and try out. He goes, Connie goes, you guys are supposed to stick together. you got to make sure everybody's up and ready to go. He was that old school guy. So I was like so happy we did. I thought we were going to get reamed out, but he was that great guy that just said <laughs> You guys are responsible for each other. (laughs) And and that's awesome. That's what hockey, that's what makes hockey great. Yeah. And I'm sure you found no trouble back in your hometown in the eighties anyway. So I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) It happened to be it. It happened to be Edmonton. I know I've I've been caught in a few, uh, in a few storms up there myself. Um, Kenny, man, this is awesome. We really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. Three times Stanley cup champ. You're doing great stuff with the network too. And, uh, you know, we love, love chatting with you. Yeah. You're a legend fellow. Thank, thank you guys. I love being on with you. I love what you guys are doing as well. Love you on the, the network and your podcast and, and a lot of respect. And I will show you, I, I I'm going to the hospital cause I'm going to be a, a grandpa soon to be. Oh, I've, already got go. a little, I've already got him a little Jersey. 
that Frosty, you guys know Frosty. Oh, I love Frosty, of course. Best. He got this made for me so that I, I know it's any second and I have a game tonight. And as you know, I for anybody that needs, you guys, I had a great time in my life. Fun time, sober a lot of years. So I want people to know that, hey, I love it. I, I don't regret it. I had some great times, but sobriety is pretty cool too. If you're one of those that need to help, uh, I'm always there as well. For anybody that, you know, contacts me on Twitter, social media, I love it. If I can have an impact in that way as well. But it doesn't mean I don't love my buddies and still have a great time. I just can have it without having a pop anymore. It was over for me. <laughs> hey, hey, you left it all on the ice, on the ice and off the ice. You're tired from both, buddy. There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, Dano, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Up dog, thanks, Ken Danico. What a legend, man. Oh, man. I could have talked to that guy forever. I wish I would have played with that guy. I mean, he just... I know I would have had a sore back sitting on a bar stool with that guy because <sighs> I wouldn't have probably left. I would have probably put in about a six-hour shift with him. Yeah, I just think how funny he would have been in the room too, right? Like, you could tell he loved the game, and that's why he's got three cups. But, like, just when you think of hockey, you think, like, Ken Danico plays like a guy probably walked around no towel on yeah, all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, probably. a story about Gomer, too. I'm probably. sure he's probably got a couple, like, in locker room moments that are just legendary. Yeah, it was, it was great. So, obviously, with Jersey doing, you know, well this year, we've taken some heat on social media. Some people are like, hey, talk about the fucking Devils. Well, we there's the only people that doubted him. Yeah, there's the Devils legend. Uh, he does great stuff for NHL Network. I love when he comes on our segment. So, just a legend and... uh what he said about eras, though, right? And then I got to maybe learn from this. That's the one thing I took away is like, I'm always bitching and complaining about, you know, it's soft and it fucking eras to eras. And his era, I would have got the shit beat out of <laughs> yeah. me. So fucking thank God I wasn't playing then. Yeah. You imagine some of him and the guys that he had to go up against looking at your era, which yeah. is, was our era. Licking their chops. Going, no, yeah, but going, look at these fucking. Brian thinks he's tough. Look at what a pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys can't take a punch in the lips. Look at these guys. Fucking seatbelt. He's not even throwing right, sir. What the fuck? Um, so no, it was uh, it's a pleasure. We always enjoy, and I hope our fans enjoy getting a look, uh, a, a dive in on some champion, uh, some guys that battled their ass off, yeah. won cups, and enjoyed doing it. So well set up, dog. That was missing curfew. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.